I'm Chris. I'm Steve. And we're talking about some deep shit. How's it going, Steve? Pretty good. How you doing, Chris? Not bad. Everybody, we're back to talk about some more deep shit. Here we are. Yes. How's uh, the week been going for you? A little hectic, but I'm happy it's the weekend. Same here. Uh, but it's been an exciting, exciting week on the UFO front, and that is what we're here to talk about. Yes, we are. So this past Tuesday, we're going to jump right into it. This past Tuesday, Congress held UFO hearings. That's crazy, right? It's crazy. It's exciting. And uh, pretty newsworthy. I would say so. And it, and it has been newsworthy, which is, I'm glad to see that it's getting a lot of coverage. It took a while to get here, but I'm glad we're finally here, that we're getting it out. We're going to dig deep on this stuff. We're going to talk about it. Uh, Steve and I both have tons of thoughts. What was said, what wasn't said, what was implied. It was It was exciting stuff. I enjoyed listening to it. And I'm gonna. I'm looking forward to talking about it right now. I've been waiting all week to talk about it. Okay, so the reason why these hearings are happening is we talked about this last episode. When that UFO report came out, it sparked some interest, and and Congress been looking into this. They're getting more engaged, which is really nice to see. Yes, very nice to see. And well. We're going to talk about it as we go along here, but some of the things they had to say weren't exactly the most um, exciting things to listen to, especially when they started talking about national security threats, but we're going to get to that. There's an art to answering questions in front of Congress that I noticed good defense people or anybody who works in government who's not elected, the good ones have a skill of answering questions, but not answering them too much. Sometimes that's called a non-answer. And you usually call them on that, right? And try to get at the question that you were attempting to ask. Yes, you'll ask, uh, try to ask a more pointed question in, in hopes that you'll elicit a better response, but it doesn't always seem to happen with government officials. I was surprised at the quality of the questions that were asked by Congress. I didn't expect that. I didn't either, Chris. Some of the questions that were asked um, from my vantage point, I think that it was uh, very very pointed questions that were asked, which to some of the responses were, we don't know. But the reason why we're having these hearings is after the UFO report, Congress's interest in this topic was peaked. They had been briefed a little bit here and there, but I think after that came out, as much as some people said that report was a disappointment, I think that report had a lot of good info in it, but it set the stage. And then later on last year, there was an amendment to the National Defense Authorization Act. Annually, they do they do this to sort of authorize the Pentagon's money. And Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, Democrat from New York, and Marco Rubio, Republican from Florida, and the House, Ruben Gallego, the three of them got on that Defense Authorization Act an amendment that basically established a UFO office in the Pentagon and established regular reports to Congress. So that's why we're here talking about this, is they pushed this through. It was a very bipartisan hearing, because I think that it's something that 
really doesn't elicit political reactions to in terms of other types of topics you could get into that are you can make political. This really isn't political. It's really not. There's no, yeah, there's no R or D next to UAP. <laughs> that should be a slogan. <laughs> so this hearing was run by the House Intelligence Committee, but a sub the subcommittee. <laughs> I love these titles. It's just so, they're so wordy. The Subcommittee on Counterterrorism, Counterintelligence, and Counterproliferation. So that was the subcommittee. The chairman of the subcommittee is Andre Carson. He's a Democrat from Indiana. And the chairman of the actual committee, the overcommittee, that's Adam Schiff from California. So that was surprising too because he was actually at the hearing, which he didn't need to be. Testifying at this hearing was Ronald Moultrie, who is the undersecretary for intelligence and security, and Scott Bray, the deputy director of naval intelligence. So those two were the ones in the hot seat, and we'll dig into what they said and, and all that in a moment. Chris, I'll say that the people they had testifying, Moultre and Bray, we're talking about some heavy hitters from the um, from the military. The department that the Pentagon has to investigate UAPs, they had established this department right before that Defense Authorization Act went through because that act required them to establish an office. They did it ahead of time so they could kind of have more control over it. The name of that office is the Airborne Objects Identification and Management Synchronization Group, A-O-I-M-S-G, and they pronounced it in a weird way. It just rolls off the tongue. Oh, my God. Though I think they did say that that's going to change. So, So, Steve, what did you think of the hearings as a whole? In their totality, slightly underwhelming. Uh, They didn't have a ton to say. But if you take took a deep dive, I think there's some interesting things to uh, to discuss. There were no headline moments, which I think a lot of people were hoping for. I I think I said that we're not going to see him roll out an alien body. I don't know what people were expecting. They're going to be very cagey because they've been brought to this point. The Pentagon has been brought to this point rather unwillingly. They're not chomping at the bit to get in there and spill their gut. They're going to try to offer as little information as humanly possible while still answering the questions to the satisfaction of the Congress people. The videos that they decided to show. Those were so bad. They picked some of the worst videos you could imagine that have been produced because there's so many other videos that could have been shown that would have had zero explanations they showed two videos. One was a cockpit view of an object, you know, whizzing by very quickly, barely made it out. You're talking about the one that kind of off to the right of the jet. Yes, they show it as kind of like, "Hey, this this is something weird. We you, yeah. we haven't we don't know what this is." I don't think they expected anyone to circle back around, but I think it was Schiff who circled back around and he kind of probed into it a little bit and he said, "We'll run the video again." And they had a hard time hard time doing that and that made them look a little foolish and then the other one was they offered an explanation for it there are still some questions as to that explanation that they offered but they said it's drones are you talking about the one with the night vision goggle yes the one with the triangles and they're saying it's an artifact of light i would have liked to see some discussion about the gimbal video or the tic tac video that, that would have been interesting for them to answer questions on that as well, but those weren't produced. They didn't show the videos. They did mention the Tic Tac yes. video, which was, it was nice to hear them talk about that. Yes, the videos, underwhelming. At first, the questions kind of didn't go anywhere, but then it picked up. It did. 
did. So let's go through this kind of sequentially. We have some clips to play, so we can kind of t- you know play the clip, kick it around, what what we heard, what we think. So first, I'm going to go with Andre Carson's opening. He kind of kicked it off saying this. Unidentified aerial phenomena are a potential national security threat, and they need to be treated that way. For too long, the stigma associated with UAPs has gotten in the way of good intelligence analysis. Pilots avoided reporting or were laughed at when they did. DOD officials relegated the issue to the back room or swept it under the rug entirely, fearful of a skeptical national security community. Today, we know better. UAPs are unexplained, it's true, but they are real. They need to be investigated, and many threats they pose need to be mitigated. That was kind of kicking it off saying, they're a national security threat. Pay attention. Right, that's serious. That That is really planting a flag to say, we're not just talking about crazy UFOs and something silly. Like, these things are a threat, potentially. We need to figure it out. And that's kind of like almost like telegraphing to uh, Moultrie and Bray. You better have some answers, boys. If they're in our airspace, we want to know what they are. So then Bray has his opening statement. I I grabbed a couple clips from this because there were a couple of items that popped out to me. Incursions in our training ranges by unidentified objects represent serious hazards to safety of flight. In every aspect of naval aviation, safety of our air crews is paramount. Second... Intrusions by unknown aircraft or objects pose potential threats to the security of our operations. Our aviators train as they would fight. So any intrusions that may compromise the security of our operations by revealing our capabilities, our tactics, techniques, or procedures uh, are of great concern uh, to the Navy and the Department of Defense. Okay. That's, you know, that's a very reasonable, he's kind of acknowledging the threat at least safety-wise, to military personnel by UAPs. So that's very reasonable. I like that. That's reasonable. Then the next thing when Bray was talking, he dropped this gem. Additionally, subject matter experts from a wide variety uh, of fields, including physics, optics, metallurgy, meteorology, uh, just to name a few, have been brought in to, uh, uh, to expand our understanding in areas where meet we may not have organic expertise. Why would you need a metallurgist? to consult unless perhaps there was something metal for them to identify. He just threw that out there as if, I mean, nobody followed up on it, but it it did catch my attention to go, really? Right, right. Uh, They're not investigating Mylar balloons. Right. (laughs) They they would need a Mylar expert for that and, you know, have to ship ship those in. So then Bray talked about how they sort of classify UAPs. As detailed in the ODNI report, if and when individual UAP incidents are resolved, they likely fall into one of five potential explanatory categories. Airborne clutter, natural atmospheric phenomena, U.S. government or U.S. industry developmental programs, foreign adversary systems, or a other bin that allows for a holding bin of difficult cases and for the possibility of surprise and potential scientific discovery. The other bin. The other bin. Number four and number five are both concerning to me. It's either an adversarial military operation, or it's something we have no idea what it is. The only thing they really ruled out is that it's ours. They made that point very clear that they were aware of U.S. projects that could be mistaken for these objects in the sky. And they came across saying, no, it's, we're sure it's not us. Right. 
So then it only leaves the other options. There are probably some of these that are basically just clutter. Oh, I'm sure. There are ones that can be explained. They said during the hearings that there are now about 400 incidents, which is up from 143 one year ago. And Bray went on to state that um, they haven't uncovered anything non-terrestrial in origin, but there are incidents they can't explain. This office was kind of built to fulfill a requirement and not necessarily built to do the job that it was tasked with. So I think that sort of came out too, is they're playing it up like, oh yes, it's, you know, we're doing great. We're doing, we're, yeah, 400 more reports. We're working. Have you figured any of them out? Well, no, but we have 400 more reports. We got 400 more pieces of paper, 400 files. It's, yeah, we had to buy a new filing cabinet and everything. It's amazing. (laughs) So that was kind of how, but I think Schiff came back at one point and he said, he referenced the UFO report. He went, he went back to the UFO report because I think he was trying to get them kind of uh, in a corner. And he said out of those 144 cases that were mentioned in the UFO report, 18 of them exhibited unusual flight characteristics and advanced technology. Some appeared to remain stationary in winds, move against the wind, move abruptly, and exhibit no discernible means of propulsion. I find that intriguing. When he said, I find that intriguing. And then he says, do our adversaries have any technology? Can they move an object without any discernible means of propulsion? And I think that that question sort of took Bray by surprise and he kind of stumbled a little bit. And then he was like, well, I'm, I'm not aware of, of any adversary that can do that. But a lot of those are sensor malfunctions and, and optical illusions. I, he, he tried to, to immediately sort of minimize those cases of the 18 cases that exhibited those bizarre characteristics. So I thought that was a little bit of decent tap dancing on his part. There's a lot of sidestepping. <laughs> they were so good. I mean, these guys were good as far as answering questions without really giving too much away. Yeah, the, 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 the question that Schiff came back with was for the video, the video that you showed where you said, oh, it's drones. And Schiff said, oh, so have you gotten some drones and filmed them with a camera. Basically, have you reproduced this optical effect that you say that we're witnessing here? And his answer was basically, well, we haven't, but we're aware of studies that have done so. So the word studies can be very broadly applied. So I would like to know, I wish somebody would come back and say, oh, so you have specific studies where, because I have a feeling it's It's not a study. I think it's a theory that I've heard some people out there floating. Mick West, who's a big anti, he's a big UFO skeptic. So he floated this theory that those were drones and he explained why that was the case. And others have come back and gone through the footage and refuted his hypothesis. But if his hypothesis is the study they're quoting it's just like a, you're answering a question with a non-answer, kind of like, oh, we, we, we know this has been done. It was, somebody thought of it because he said study. He didn't say like he, – he said he didn't say we did it. If he, if he had said we replicated this, okay, you replicated it. But the way he sidestepped that and goes, well, we're aware of studies that have. All right. Are we talking still about the night vision goggle one? Yes. With the blinking? Yes. Triangles? I've seen some skeptics say that they're nothing but airplanes. 
And yeah. it's just the way that the light is captured with the night vision goggles and makes it look triangular. But again, Chris, I'd love to see somebody replicate this. And we all could look at it and say, yeah, you're right. It's just an airplane or it's a drone. And then my other question is, why is there a drone right above the military guy? Right. I mean, if they are just drones, then why were they not identified or captured or because they make it they leave it in that bucket of these things flew over. We couldn't identify them, implying that they got away because if they hadn't gotten away, they would be identified. So what doesn't that open up the question of, well, if drones are flying around over our you know, ships and they're doing that with impunity, what are you guys up to? Right. I also would like to know where that ship was because I have heard someone say it might even have been Lou Elizondo. Well, where do those drones go? Drones don't. Drones can't fly hundreds of miles. Drones can a short distance. So if there is a drone, there is a vehicle nearby that launched that drone. And presumably those drones will go back to that vehicle to return to wherever they came from. So an adversary or someone got close enough with a vehicle to launch drones over our Navy ships, look around, fly away, get back to the sh- wherever they came from, and – we weren't able to stop it. That alone should kind of make us go, wait, I, what are you guys doing there? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's been a lot of reports about this, this is a drone. That's a drone. But when you talk to people that are drone experts, they say the drone can't go out there that far, 200 miles, 100 miles out from the, from the nearest landmass. So you're right. Well, there have to be a ship out there and there's no reports of a ship out there not having to do with the U.S. military that could be manning such a drone. Right, because a lot of times we're talking restricted airspace. Yeah. So if there is a ship somewhere launching drones, why are they not detecting it? It can't be that far away because, like you said, those drones can't go hundreds of miles. I don't know what their operating range is. I certainly know the commercial ones that are available don't go that far. Well, let's put it this way. If if there's a battleship or a aircraft carrier, what have you, a couple hundred miles off the coast of California. And there's an unknown airplane that decides to start flying around it. There's a problem. They'll shoot it down. They'll shoot it down. So now the the response is, "Eh, it's just a drone, but we don't know where it's from. It doesn't make any sense. Why didn't you just shoot it down? It's still concerning. Oh, it's just a drone? Okay. Well, what's it doing? (laughs) Whose is it? Who launched it? Right. Why are you not concerned about it? Why do you why do you just keep fluffing it off that's a drone? I don't know how confident that they were that that they would really be challenged at this hearing. I think sometimes a lot of times in these defense hearings, they don't really challenge them because they're trying to get the money for them. They're, you know, especially if they're hawkish and they want to, you know, military and they want to support the military, you know. So, I think defense people, and I could be wrong, but I don't think they get challenged as much as they should. So I don't think they were expecting too much resistance from Congress on this. I think they were just kind of expecting, you know, some questions about that they could answer with kind of half answers like this. And I guess they did get away with it to a certain extent. After the hearing, they were going to have private hearings. What's so private if it's a mylar balloon? Although my understanding from some of the Congress people is they weren't even that pleased with the 
with the classified hearing, they felt there was some evasion by the Pentagon on a lot of their questions, even in the classified briefing. Well, that's understandable. But I can only venture to guess that they were talking about, we talked about those five classifications before. I think they were talking about number four or number five. Right. They had to, because why would they even care about the first couple? Right. So those questions wouldn't be answered. So then the questions started getting a little bit more difficult. They they bopped around a little bit, and uh, it didn't get too political. There was there was one there was one congressperson who started started kind of going down the partisan route, but he quickly got away from it. Thank God. So then Mike Gallagher, he's a Republican from Wisconsin. He is my new UAP hero in Congress. He was good. So then he comes up with some good questions. This is one of. Uh, Representative Gallagher's, Mike Gallagher's questions. Mr. Moultrie, as the chairman uh, mentioned, uh, DOD had an initiative to study UFOs in the 1960s called Project Blue Book. It's also been well reported in our briefing and in, in other places that we have more have more recent projects, specifically uh, ATIP. Could you describe any other initiatives that the DOD or DOD contractors have managed after Project Blue Book ended and prior to ATIP beginning. Did anything also predate Project Blue Book? So I, I, I can't speak to what may have predated uh, Project Blue Book. I mean, of course, there's Roswell and all these other things that people have talked about over the years. Um, I'm familiar with Blue Book. I'm familiar with, uh, with ATIP. Uh, I haven't seen other documented uh, studies that have been done by DOD in that regard. So you're not aware of anything in between Project Blue Book and ATIP. I'm not aware of anything that's uh, official that was done in between those two. Okay. Hasn't been uh, brought to my attention. Okay. Uh, additionally, are you aware of any other DOD or DOD contract programs focused on UAPs from a technological engineering perspective? And by that I mean, are you aware of any technology initiatives focused on this topic other than initiatives focused on the individual case inve- investigations? I am not aware of any contractual programs that are focused on uh, any anything related to this other than what we are doing in the Navy task force and what we are about to launch in terms of our effort. Uh, same question for you, Mr. Bray. Uh, same answer, not aware of anything outside what we uh, are doing in the UAP task force. So just to confirm, you're not aware of any technology or engineering resources that have been focused on these efforts besides what we've mentioned today? Once again, I'll say no contractual uh, uh, or uh, programmatic uh, efforts that are involved. And the reason why I, I, I qualify Explain. that way, yeah, let me qualify it that way. I, I can't speak to what people may be looking at in the department. Somebody says, I'm looking at something, I'm looking at something that may Got be it. unidentified, and I, I can't speak to that. I speak to official programs that we have on the record. He is my new hero. He had those two on the hot seat. So you acknowledge Blue Book and ATIP. But what was in between? There was a lot of time in between. Or how about what was before Blue Book? Because we know there were other Pentagon UFO programs over the years. But what I loved about Gallagher, he then would come back and just say, okay, so for the record, you're saying X. Because I really think this hearing was a way to get the Pentagon on the record answering these questions. So later on, this is on the official record now. So you answered this. We just uncovered four more UFO programs that you had. How come you didn't tell us about them when we asked? I I think Moultrie was starting to get the sense here like, oh, no, these guys are briefed more than I thought they were. Well, I think I would have followed up with a question as to define 
contractual. He got a little rattled because he he, he realized that saying contractual was an open question, and so he felt the need to go ahead and kind of define it. It was just okay, sure, whatever you say, man. Right. That says to me that there were government agencies that were collecting information, but they weren't doing it because they were assigned that task. That's a distinction that they often make. That's not a task to which we were assigned is a, is a way of saying, I don't know anything about it. Well, I do, but I, I don't have to tell you because I wasn't assigned to it. So I can pretend like I don't know about it. And there's nothing you can do to make me say what you want me to say, because I'm just going to tell you, I don't know about it. Right, I'll tell you it's not con- contractual. Right. So Gallagher, then this was the one I know you love was the, the new, the nuclear question, yes. which was which was a nuclear question in more ways than one. It's also been reported uh, that there have been UAP observed uh, and interacting with and flying over sensitive military facilities, particularly and not just ranges, but uh, some facilities housing our strategic nuclear forces. Uh, one such incident allegedly occurred uh, uh, at Malmstrom Air Force Base, in which 10 of our nuclear ICBMs were rendered inoperable. At the same time, a glowing red orb was observed overhead. I'm not commenting on the accuracy of this. I'm simply asking you whether you're aware of it and whether you have any comment on the accuracy of that report. Let me pass that to Mr. Bray, if you've been looking at UAPs over the last uh, three years. Uh, that data is not uh, within the holdings of the UAP task force. Okay, but are you aware of the, the report or that the data exists somewhere? Uh, I, have, uh, I have heard stories. I have not seen the official data on that. So you've just seen informal stories, no official assessment that you've done or exists within DOD that you're aware of uh, regarding the Malmstrom incident? Uh, all I can speak to is, you know, what's within my cognizance, the UAP task force, and we have not looked at that incident. Well, I would say, I mean, it's a pretty high profile incident. Uh, I, I don't claim to be an expert on this, but that's out there in, in the ether. You're, you're the guys investigating it. I mean, if, who else is doing it? If something was officially brought to our attention, we would look at it. Uh, there are many things that are out there in the ether that aren't officially brought to our attention. So how would it have to be officially brought to your Excuse attention? I'm official. bringing it to your attention. Sure, so, <laughs> this is pretty official. Sure. So we'll go back and take a look at it. But generally, there is some um, authoritative figure that says there is an incident that occurred. We'd like you to look at this. Uh, but in terms of just tracking what may be in the media that says that something occurred at this time, at this place, uh, there are probably a lot of leads that we would have to follow up on. I don't think we have resources to do that right now. Well, I don't claim to be an authoritative figure, but for what it's worth, I would like you to look in, into it. And sure. if for no other reason, you could dismiss it and say this is not worth wasting resources on. We'll um, so that was so good because the report, the Maelstrom base, nuclear base, the Pentagon knows about that because they're the ones who did the report. So for these two guys to say they don't know about it. I don't know. That doesn't he even even Gallagher kind of saw that through like what what do you mean you don't know about it? Don't you look into these things? It's just this non-answer. They didn't bring it to us and that's it. The question is we have a report, a credible report cuz it's from the Pentagon. So it's not somebody who just claimed this. This is this is a very you can research this. This is a thing. That is a well-known account. Whether or not it's true has never been confirmed, but it is an account that came from the Pentagon about nuclear warheads being shut down by a UAP, and they haven't looked into it because no one's asked them? It it actually doesn't make any sense. That is – that. And you could hear it in Gallagher's voice that he he just couldn't believe that was the answer. He had the best questions. I wonder where he got – 
I think he did a little Googling and a little YouTube and before the, the uh before the hearing because he really came with some with some great great questions. He did. It's almost like the office wants to tell us, the American people, that they're operating with blinders on because these reports regarding nuclear facilities have been happening since I think nineteen forty seven across the world. Different countries have reported the same thing. Russia has reported it. So they that office is saying, well, Unless it's formally brought to us, we're not going to look into it. It's a very easy way to get out of doing something. It really is. I I can't believe they offered that up. I think they weren't they were not expecting that. They, well, they should have been. They should have been. They but they I think they underestimated. That's why I'll say that I think people are not giving this hearing enough credit. I saw some of the news reports. They weren't they weren't negative towards it, but they all seem to have that sort of very little answers, very little answers. That is true. But although there were very little answers, a lot was said by the omissions. Correct. They telegraphed to Congress, we haven't been taking your mandate that was passed into law. We haven't been taking it seriously because you told us to look into this stuff. And we've basically what they've done is they act as if the UFO UAP phenomena started in 2004. Right. That's how they were trying to frame everything in their answers. Almost like it's a gift that this this office that was established last year is even looking to 2004 because that's in the past. You know, oh, we're here to talk about future things. I love it that they're starting to dig into some of these older accounts, the credible ones. I mean, there's tons of accounts and there are ones without documentation. But where you can find government documentation, they should be looking into. And speaking of documentation, Gallagher my jaw dropped when he hit them with this one. And I'll play it and see if you recognize the significance, but we'll talk about it because this one sets up the future amazingly. And then finally, are, are you aware of a document that appeared around uh, 2019, uh, sometimes called the Admiral Wilson memo or EW Notes memo? I am, I am, I am not. You're not. I'm not personally aware of that. Okay. Uh, this is a document in which, again, I'm not commenting on the veracity. Uh, I was hoping you would help me with that, in which a former uh, head of DIA claims mm -hmm. to have had a conversation with the Dr. Eric Wilson uh, and claims to have uh, sort of been made aware of certain um, contractors or, or DOD programs um, that he tried to get uh, fuller access to and was denied uh, access to. Um, so you're not aware of, uh, of that? I'm not aware, Congressman. Uh, in my 10 seconds remaining, then, I, I guess I just would ask Mr. Chairman unanimous consent to enter that memo into the record. Without objection. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Appreciate it. That was an amazing moment that a lot of people won't recognize. Are you aware of the, the Davis-Wilson memo? Not, not in its entirety, no. So it was a leaked document. It has been denied by Eric Davis and General Wilson, both of which are still alive. This document was leaked several years back. It strongly implied, if you read this, that the government has programs where they are reverse engineering or at least in possession of alien craft. It has been denied by the people involved. But behind the scenes, a lot of people say it is true. The fact that Gallagher brought it up, got them to pronounce their ignorance of its existence – and then got it entered into the official record. That opens up the door for Congress to bring 
Wilson, and Davis in front of them and ask them point blank if there's any truth to it. And if they're able to speak, this could be huge. It's amazing, actually. I think the members of the committee did say that they have met with pilots. They have. They are meeting with people outside of the Pentagon. They're getting their own information. There will be more hearings. This is not the last one. This is setting up the next bunch. The next hearings could be as soon as a couple of months because in August, Congress breaks for summer. And then when they return, they're going to be really into the midterm elections. Yep. If Congress wants to get any momentum on this issue, they will want to get at least a hearing, possibly hearings in as quickly as possible to keep the momentum going. I would not be the least bit surprised if we see another hearing popping up and they're going to dig deeper. But the fact that he went there. It's amazing. The fact that this document has been out there for a bunch of years. Leaked. It didn't come officially. So it's providence is in question. Is it real? The people mentioned in it say it it isn't real. But they would have to say that if they were involved with these projects because they're not allowed to talk to them. So they would have to lie. Just like Andrew Garfield had to lie constantly when people asked him if he was in (laughs) Spider-Man. How many interviews did he, he had to lie? He was contractually obligated to not reveal his existence in that movie until it came out. So he had to sit in front of Reporter after reporter and basically bold-faced lie. I don't know anything about it. I am not in that movie. That's how it works. When you have a contract that – write that. If you're told to be silent due to you know, contractually, that supersedes everything. You will – people go to jail if they break those – well, not the Mar- – well, maybe the Marvel one. Marvel's pretty rough. But if you speak about something, a top-secret program out of school, you go to jail. So anybody would lie even if it was true. Right. First of all, great movie. Oh, that was an amazing movie. Second, um, I guess you'd have to look at the contract itself that the person has entered into, but maybe they could get away with saying, I I can't comment on that without actually just lying about it. Right. That's true. I wonder if the distinction is there, whether or not they can just say, but oftentimes when someone says no comment, that kind of confirms it. Telegraph. Like if... If you ask someone, did you do such a thing? Either they did or they didn't. If they didn't, they say I didn't. If they say no comment, well, you guess you did then. Right, right. Well, it's inferred. So the fact that- Is it inferred or implied? I always get mixed up with I that. don't even know the, the difference between those two. I just I just count on the Grammarly to- To tell you? Correct my writing and make sure I use the proper words, but I don't really know. But yeah, he would not have brought that up. Unless he had conversations, unless he had a reason to believe it was relevant. It would be interesting if they could bring those two in to just go over the document line by line and just ask them questions methodically through the document. I would love that. If that is a hearing that they end up doing, I will be there for it because those are questions. Eric Davis, Dr. Eric Davis is... One of those people that is mentioned in a lot of things, he's very tight-lipped about what he's done, but he's been involved and he's working in aerospace now. He has contracts. There's – yeah, there's something going on with him, but the fact that he brought that in – oh, it was amazing. I saw Mike Gallagher, Representative Mike Gallagher. I saw him on a news interview, and he was with another 
subcommittee member Raja Krishna Krishna Morthy, I think is is how it's Krishna Morthy, a Democrat from Illinois. Again, I loved how it was Republican and Democrat. They were on the same side in this. He had a pretty good a pretty good question for the uh, the witnesses. Thank you, Mr. Chair, and thank you to both of you for appearing today and for your public service. First question is. Uh, there have been no collisions between any U.S. assets and one of these UAPs, correct? We have not had a collision. We've had at least 11 near misses, though. And uh, maybe we'll talk about those 11 near misses or any place where there's close proximity. Um, I assume, or tell me if I'm wrong, there's been no uh, attempt, there's no communications uh, or any kind of uh, communication signals that emanate from those objects uh, that we've detected, correct? That, that's correct. And have we attempted to communicate with those objects? Uh, no. So we don't, we don't even put out a alert saying, you know, uh, U.S., um, identi- you know, identify yourself. Uh, you are, you know, within our flight path or something like that. We, we haven't said anything like that? We've not put anything out like that. Generally speaking, uh, what, uh, you know, for example, in the video that we showed earlier, uh, it appears to be something that is, uh, you know, unmanned, uh, appears to be something that uh, may or may not be in controlled flight. uh, And so we've not attempted any communication uh, with that. So first of all, 11 near misses. And how do you classify what a near miss is? And how is it different from a near hit? Right. But the fact, <laughs> but the fact that there is eleven, I, like that's saying, these vehicles, these unidentified vehicles, have come close enough to assets in the sky, and, and they didn't clarify whether it's military or civilian because there have been reports of civilian aircraft having near misses with these sort of things. The fact that they're confirming, the Pentagon is confirming eleven near misses. And they haven't tried communicating. Don't you find that kind of hard to believe? Like if a vehicle of some sort was if, – if a boat, if a ship came in, they would probably radio it and say, identify yourself. And if you don't, we'll blow you out of the water. Things are flying over and you're not even attempting it? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. And I know that Bray basically said, well, you know, we think they're all unmanned. How do you know that? If it's if it's in a flight pattern, how are you making the determination if it's unmanned or not? I mean, I guess size could be a function of that. But even if it was unmanned, if you're trying to communicate, you'd think if they're controlling it, then any communications it receives would also go to the source. So uh, why wouldn't you try? He goes on later to ask him, too, have you shot at any? And Bray comes back and says, no, we haven't. And so, okay, so you haven't, you don't know what they are. They didn't identify themselves. They're flying over our military assets. But you didn't try to communicate and find out who they are and you didn't shoot at them? I find that difficult to believe because I know if I came close to one of those military assets in a civilian vehicle, they wouldn't hesitate to blow me away. Well, it's interesting when you say that because do you remember – when was that, Chris? Two years ago, three years ago, when there was that big push to say we're all gonna we're all gonna bum rush Area Fifty One. Oh yes, and then the military finally came out and said, "If anybody tries to do this, we're going to be meeting you with resistance." 
Right. Basically saying, if you cross that line, we will shoot you. Unless you're a UAP and you fly over, then we'll, that's fine. We're not going to talk to you and we're not going to shoot at you. Yeah, that, that was, that was amazing that, uh, like I said, so many of their non-answers were answers in and of themselves. Like they were kind of painting themselves in a corner now. So basically if a report comes out that Congress gets a hold of refuting that statement and saying, no, the military at one point did attempt communication, did attempt firing on one of these UAPs, they'll come back to this and say, we asked you point blank and you said there were no cases like that. They'll say, well, that wasn't brought to us. Right. Or they'll say, well, no, I meant the UAP task force, both of us. We didn't try to communicate or shoot at a UAP because that's, that's what they've been using a lot. And the fact that the question didn't clarify that. He felt safe giving that answer because if he was ever called on it, he would just say, well, I'm speaking about the UFO task force. It was only that other question where it was asked, you were the military at large, and he made a point of saying the UAP task force doesn't have any exotic materials. The question was open, so I guess it left him room to wiggle. Right. And when Bray and Moultrie, too, when they were given their answers, they used words generally – most of the time, they, it's a sidestep to some of the the larger issues, I think, because some of their explanations don't jive with some of the reports that we've seen in the videos we've seen with the different types of cameras or radars that show objects that are clearly flying with some sort of propulsion against the wind. And these objects, why would they not be tried to be communicated with? Yes, it... It strains credulity to believe that they have not tried to either communicate with them or shoot at them. I I just, I find that hard to believe. And I find it actually concerning because if they knew it was something from a foreign military, an adversarial military from wherever you want to say, China, Russia, whatever you want to say, they knew it was from those countries. They'd probably shoot at it if it was coming within our airspace that close to our border. And the fact that they don't, I think that in itself gives you some information of what they think about it. So finally, they moved on to a topic I know you hold near and dear, which was they referenced the Tic Tac UFO event from 2004, Commander Fravor, that we talked about so much in our first episode. We did, and I can't get enough of that. So- yeah, there was a very pointed question about that from Representative Eric Crawford, Republican from Arkansas. I was so happy to hear him ask this question. Do we have an example? Can you cite a, a specific example of an object that can't be explained as having been human-made or natural? I, I mean, the the um, the example that that I would say that that is still unresolved, uh, that I think everyone understands quite well as the 2004 uh, incident from from Nimitz. Uh, We have data on that, uh, and it simply remains unresolved. Uh, Does not mean it resolves to being something, right, that is easily explainable or uh, difficult. Well, obviously it resolves to being something that is difficult to explain. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I, I can't point to something that definitively was not uh, man-made, but I can point to a number of examples in which remain unresolved. Gotcha. Wow. So that was 
a roundabout way of saying, well, we, we don't, we don't know what it is. The fact that they brought up the Tic Tac though, they say, why didn't we see another video similar to that? Why were you showing us this crap? There are instances like that, that you could have brought us. I don't know. It was a nice, it was a nice way of referencing that. Yes. The video that they say they cannot explain somehow was not the video they want to show. Right. Good on Bray that he offered that up because it was a very broad question. He was just asking, do you have other instances? But he brought one up that we already know about. Right. Like, I'm glad it came up, but it would have been nicer to hear about a new one. It would have been nice to have some follow-up questions on that exact topic. How do you explain the different movements of that object? How do you explain... These two people watched it. How do you explain this? How do you explain that? I would have liked to see some questions like that as follow-ups, but unfortunately they weren't. I wonder if they don't want to go too hard, too fast. Like they want, there's, there's a certain logic to letting them dangle a little bit, letting them dig their own grave. Cause yes, they could have come in with all sorts of questions, but then I think they would be accused of being antagonistic towards the Pentagon. Like the Pentagon could actually spin it to make Congress, make the subcommittee, the representatives on the subcommittee, make them the bad guys because the questions were unreasonable. So I think maybe going in a measured way and asking some very pointed questions and getting their answers and not pushing on them too much, but I'm sure their answers are noted and are being verified. And that's when the magic will happen is when they come back for future hearings. If they can point to something that they point blank asked and was answered with an untruth, they're really going to be able to put them in a spot to start prying some information out of them. That's true. That's true, Chris. So uh, I, so what it wasn't the hearing that people wanted necessarily, but I think people's expectations were unreasonably high. Probably just because of the way it, it's, it went down in terms of the hype in front of it. The media hypes it up because I noticed I was getting kind of despondent that the media was not reporting on UAPs, UFOs since, since the report came out was the last time was really like a flurry of news reporting on it. And then it got kind of quiet. It would pop up every now and again, there was some good work being done, but generally the press moved on, but this brought them right back in. I've seen more coverage and not negative coverage. I've seen more even handed. I don't necessarily want positive coverage. I just want even handed. Please spare us the X-Files music. Please spare us the snarky jokes and like, just give us the facts. And I've seen a lot more stories like that on these hearings. And I think they did a lot for the topic. And I get people, ufology as a field gets frustrated because it's been a long time and little answers. And they get a little salty when things take longer than they think it should. They think it should all be out yesterday. Yes. But we got to get at it little by little. And this, this was huge. You're right. It needs to be a measured approach. You're, it's much more reasonable. You're more reasonable than I am, Chris. Uh, but I think that the measured approach, and I agree with you, the 
news outlets that you see, it's not so jokey when they're talking about it. Well, some of them are, but a lot of them aren't. They're talking about it because Congress is talking about it as it, as it could be a threat to this country. And that's something everyone takes seriously. It's really puzzling some news anchors when they see Congress people, senators taking it seriously, they start to question like, hey, um, maybe we should be taking this a little bit more seriously. It's an interesting awakening to sort of witness because because I think it's going to bear fruit in the long run. I think all it's going to take is some really good reporting to dig into some of these things and start to uncover some of the inconsistencies and some of the things that the Pentagon has said that don't quite match up with other things that were said. There's so much here for somebody with an investigative mind to kind of dig into, and uh, we're going to start to see more of that. I agree. The other thing which I think they will explore at some point is giving immunity so people can talk about some of these things that are secret. That that would be a huge step as well as if they can – there are people who have knowledge but are – under security oaths, NDAs, whatever you want to call them, that they can't talk about it. So if Congress can get some of these people, which I think they might try to do with like the the memo, the Davis-Wilson memo, Wilson-Davis, whatever it's called, if they can get some of these people in front of them, and I mean, can you imagine Lou Elizondo public hearing saying you have full immunity to speak about anything that previously, if you'd spoken about, you would have been arrested Lay it on us, man. And he could really tell some tales. And there's a lot of, of lose out there. If that happens, it's must-see TV. And if that happens, we are going to be here covering it. But that is as good a place as any to wrap this one up. And I have had a great time kind of dissecting this hearing with you. I've been waiting all week to talk to somebody about it. So I'm glad I saved it for this. Me too. I tried talking to some people about it. They told me to stop talking about it. Yes, I was I was pointedly told go talk to Steve. So <laughs> so that's all right. I hope you enjoyed it out there, the, our listening audience. We are starting to gain a little bit of traction. I am very pleasantly surprised to see our show is being downloaded by some people. It's downloaded. It's it. We've had downloads now from Washington State, so we're across we're in, we're across the continent, and we also have a download from Australia. Yes, that one random download from Australia. Boom. That is amazing. We're international. That is that is so cool. So we'll be back at you soon uh, with uh, dissecting something else. But uh, until then, I'm Chris. And I'm Steve. And this has been some deep shit.